If it's nerdy, we're into it. Gaming, movies, television, wrestling, comics, whatever. We are Kyle Eckert and Chris Heck, two lifelong friends with a passion for the world of geekery. And this is the Geek Catch-Up Podcast. What's good, Geek Catch-Up family, and welcome back. You are listening to Chapter 21. I'm Kyle Eckerd. And I'm Chris Heck. And folks, the time has arrived. After over a year of rumors, speculation, fake mock-ups, and more, the next generation of video game consoles are set to release a little over a month from now. All the way back in January for Chapter 6, we covered what we knew at the time about the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, but both Sony and Microsoft have come a long way since then, confirming specs, backwards compatibility, games, and accessories, but now that the consoles are all but here, we're ready to set real expectations. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, we'd like to take a moment to say thank you for listening and to send our appreciation your way for choosing to spend your time with us. If you've enjoyed Geek Catch-Up and haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get every one of our new chapters. And to help spread the love for the world of geekery, please share us with your friends and family. Follow us on social media, Geek Catch-Up Podcast on Facebook and YouTube, at Geek Catch-Up Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, links to all of these accounts are available on our website, geekcatchuppodcast.com. Also, check out the link to our Patreon page if you'd like to support the show. With that out of the way, let's get into breaking down our thoughts on the upcoming ninth generation of video game consoles, starting with what can only be described as 1 and 1A on the list of disastrous pre-order launches. We will come clean and tell you up front that both of us got consoles pre-ordered, but at a heavy cost of time and effort. It's true, and we'll start our pre-order stories chronologically with Sony announcing at their showcase event on September 16th that pre-orders would begin the very next day on September 17th. Yeah, Kyle, that was an exciting day. You know, the expo event went well. We got to see a lot of games. They ended it with that great announcement that pre-orders were coming. Um, We hadn't seen that from Sony yet. You know, on the flip side, I think Microsoft a few days before had said, the, the date for the pre-orders would be September 22nd, but we didn't get any other information. And then so at the end of the Sony Expo, they, they kind of come out and they're like, hey, they're going to be ready for pre-order tomorrow. Yeah, which is kind of wild to think about that it sends everyone into a scramble. I'm sure the retailers got the heads up beforehand. But as a fan base, you're like, wait, tomorrow? Like, I didn't take off work for this. I need to now take off work to prepare for this pre-order. Yeah, it was kind of uh, nerve-wracking seeing that because there was no other details. And then that proved to end up being true because I think it was a little bit later that night, maybe around 8 p.m. our time, that you're texting me going, Walmart just put their PS5s up. Yeah, yeah, my brother had texted me and said, like, Walmart went active. And from that point on, it was a total scramble because, as you said, Sony... And the retailers never said date. We knew it was the 17th, but we didn't know what time. Was it going to be noon, 1, 2, 8, 11, midnight? midnight? (laughs) Yeah, you never never know. And it was. was, I remember I was cooking dinner, essentially, and my brother had texted me and said that. And I scrambled, looked at the website, and saw that it was true, and then sent a group text saying, like, oh, Walmart's got them up, and they're already sold out. Yeah, it was instant, it seemed like. So, of course, then that sent me running upstairs to open the laptop and and start looking around. And so Kyle and I are sitting there 
and you know, scrambling through websites, you know, some are working, some aren't. We're texting each other back and forth with the latest info. And we ultimately landed on Target's website. Yeah, Target was the big one. And I did the exact same thing, like pretty much opened up 10 different browser tabs with each <laughs> retailer. A, a quick shout out to IGN Deals Twitter account. Because they I were think helpful. that was like the star of the show for, for us, at least as far as staying on top of the announcements and which retailers were going live and when. But yeah, open up all the tabs, Target, Walmart, Best Buy, Amazon, GameStop, all of the browsers open, constantly refreshing. You're right. Target was the next one to really go live. And I think as soon as I saw it, you send a text message to the group and like, go, 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 go. Target's up. Target's up. <laughs> it was kind of frustrating, though, because we we were on Target fairly early, I felt, and had the, all, I, for me at least, I had an all digital one in my cart, but it wouldn't process. And, you know, Target was having these issues where, my cart kept getting wiped out yeah. when I would when I would try to process through and it would empty. So I was having to go back to the main landing page to put the the console back into my cart so I could try again. And after God, probably only like one or two times with the all digital, they were gone. Yeah. You know, it wasn't even listed anymore. So we swapped over to pursuing the the standard version with the disk drive. And for me, it was even more frustrating because I essentially went through at least, I don't know, maybe like 30, 40 minutes of just continuously trying to check out, not being able to get to the to the final confirmation. But, you know, every two or three times I would try, it would empty my cart again. So I was yeah. having to go back, wait for the slow load times because everybody was hitting the website, put it back in my cart just to be disappointed some more. I was trying to think exactly how many times I may have tried this, probably 15, 20, 30 times, something like that. Yikes. And kind of eventually just threw up my hands because one one of the last times when I went back to throw the, the standard PS5 back in my cart, then it was sold out. Yeah. So I, I had like almost shut everything down. I went to smoke a cigarette <laughs> and then and then you uh you texted me a few minutes later. Yeah, I texted you because I was on the same ordeal where I kept getting added to my cart, I'd go to my cart, and then it would disappear and re repeat the process. But I eventually, it started to give me one step at a time. Like, I, I could get it at my cart, and it would stick in my cart. Okay. And then then I moved to the payment processing screen, but it wouldn't get any farther than that. Right. And it's, but I kept feeling confident that I was getting one more step, one more step. And then at this point, the website had triggered over and said they were sold out. You had given up. I still had one in my cart. I could see it. And I was on the payment screen, and, but it but it wasn't going through. I was getting very disheartened. And eventually I thought I was going to give up as well. You, you had given up. And then just by, just for whatever reason, don't know what came over me. I was like, I'm going to refresh <laughs> one more time and see what happens. And I refreshed and it triggered over. And the payment went through my, you know, I got the little ping on my credit card on my phone. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> I got one. Like, how in the world did this happen? I texted I texted you kind of going ballistic. Like, I can't believe I did it. I must have hit command R like a thousand times that night on the various websites. And for whatever reason, this one stuck and had a lot of theories as to why I got through and no one else got through. But none of those made sense. The universe aligned. Yeah, the, the stars aligned, and it was really the beginning 
of gunslinger mode, as I called it, <laughs> for me, because the story continued uh, throughout the rest of the night because that was just Target. Yep. Like Walmart had come and gone. GameStop's website totally crashed. Right. And then Target came through and I got one, but there was still Best Buy and Amazon left on the table to get one. Yeah, because they hadn't put anything out yet and we didn't know exactly when they would be coming since it seemed like it was just Wild West that night of the 16th and, yeah. you know, retailers were just springing into action as they pleased. So I, I definitely remember this because at that point I had absolutely shut things down and was like, I'm I'm over this. You know, I was so mad. And then you hit me up about Amazon. It's funny to looking back on it because I'm really confident I texted you around 1145. Yeah. Which is also the time that you said you're like, I was still awake at 1145. So I'm not, it was just a one minute, 60 seconds, maybe, maybe two minutes of just not crossing paths. And yeah. you've you been right here to get this. But I stuck around with Best Buy and Amazon all night, just refreshing, waiting, 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 keeping ING, IGN deals up, uh, notif- you know, Twitter notifications going. And 1145, IGN deals posted about Amazon. And it was like a, it was a special link. It wasn't a direct link to Amazon's uh, placeholder page, which they okay. had posted earlier. And when you clicked on it, it like it took you to a screen that I'd never really seen from Amazon before hmm. to the point where like it was almost a hoax. Like it <laughs> didn't look real. It, it just looked different than any other Amazon screen. But the surrounding pieces looked like Amazon. And I went for it. I was like, you know what? Standard edition. Because at that point in the night, I'd realized there were so many issues happening with the digital edition. It seemed yeah. like everybody was going digital first. For sure. So my strategy was, well, if I go standard first, I might have a better shot. And long and behold, there was, I got, I got one in my cart and the same ordeal it processed and paid. And I was like, dang, I got two. Yeah. Literally. I think I, I had, I was up and then went to bed right around 11.45. And so, I, you know, phone goes on the charger, not paying attention to it anymore. You know, I was I was over it. And so I, it was a nice surprise to wake up the next morning and you're like, I got a second one, you know? <laughs> so it was like, yes, okay, that turned everything around. And, and thankfully, a few of our other buddies were actually able to get some. So for as much of the chaos that was there, you know, our group of friends, I think there was like five or six of them that we ended up getting for, for the PS5. Yeah. And and so even though it was crazy, I had some decent feelings about the Xbox pre-sale coming the following week because we knew the date. You know, Microsoft started trolling Sony the next day after yeah. the debacle with them. And they were like, hey, you know, unlike Sony, we're going to be the better people and we're going to tell you the exact time that pre-orders will start to go live so it's like okay you know typically the demand for sony products is higher it was a big debacle nobody knew what was going on so okay we're all going to be able to to get an xbox it's not going to be a big deal like i wanted an xbox at least so i was just thinking in general this is not going to be as difficult Oh, yeah. And And in theory, (laughs) it makes sense. And I think that was Microsoft's idea that in theory, we're going to do the exact opposite of Sony. Before we get there, I should say uh, I kept IGN deals on for the next the following few days and ended up scoring a third PlayStation 5 for my brother. That's true. Yeah, that was the end of the of the PS5 stuff was was getting one a couple days later, which I was kind of surprised about, too. But 
it seemed like some of them either got more stock or didn't release their full stock, whatever it was. And yeah, because that one was Walmart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. They must have gotten more stock then. Yeah. Yeah. That one, I went back to Walmart. So I ended up scoring one from Target, one from Amazon, and one from Walmart. And there's probably a bunch of people listening being like, you're an asshole. <laughs> uh, but I promise you, I'm only keeping one. And the other ones are going, obviously, one's going to Chris, one's going to my brother. And I was full on team mode. It was going to be a team effort. We're all in this together. Oh, you were the MVP. It was a team effort, but you proved to be the MVP on not just one occasion um so yeah so like jumping over to the xbox i had some time blocked off you know in my day to make sure that i was ready at 11 <laughs> i had all the browsers up you know at 10 45 ready to go and we didn't know exactly which retailers were gonna were gonna kick it off so that was kind of the mystery of it right so same thing you know multiple tabs bouncing through and ultimately it was just as bad of a situation maybe yeah. even worse in hindsight, and I said this to to some of you know some of our friends when it all happened, was that even though it seemed like Microsoft did the right thing, I actually question if it was worse because they literally just cued the whole world into being ready at this one exact time versus I think with the PlayStation where even though it was madness, you know, you had probably different groups of people or different amounts of people finding out about it as it went. So you know, it was it. It wasn't like here's five million people just waiting in line for the clock to strike eleven. Yeah, two different styles, and I like I said, Microsoft I think saw what happened with Sony, and we're like, we are not going to repeat that process. And on paper, that sounds like a great idea. Everybody, mm-hmm. this is the date, this is the time, this is when you need to get ready. But it, yeah, you're right. Like it ended up just kind of bottlenecking every every single website every single retailer Uh was getting peppered with whether it was bots or real people everybody was there at 11 o'clock it was odd too because the the results were kind of the same you know like so walmart seemed to go first but i am questioning still to this day if walmart even put them up because within one second it seemed like they went from being available like i couldn't even get it into the cart and do things from the time they they launched and to the time where it was saying they were sold out like it was just in instantaneous yeah that's and so why. yeah it just was it was crazy and so then i get over on target and they had them and i was there pretty early but it was the exact same freaking situation with target's website where the cart wouldn't process and then it was emptying and then i mean i tried at least 25 times on the xbox on target that day and nothing a buddy of mine, Cam, had the exact same issues across the board. Microsoft's website completely crashed. You couldn't even access it. And then Best Buy and Amazon never went live. So it was deep into 11, and they still hadn't even gone live because I was actually on the Best Buy page when it finally did switch over from their coming soon. Like, I was there. Like, I was on the page and it auto refreshed because they did some like it. I didn't even have to click R. Like it just refreshed itself, like sometimes a web page will do. Sure. And it went from coming soon to available, and I couldn't couldn't even get it to process. I couldn't get it to go through. So, so I was just once again reliving my my anger and frustration <laughs> yeah, of the but- week before. Uh, my expectations were way off. But then, you know, MVP Kyle over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, came through. And I remember I sent a text early that day and I to the group chat saying, 
obviously I know Xbox is dropping at 11. Do I need to activate gunslinger mode? Like, <laughs> do you guys, but do, does anybody need help? Like, obviously it's a team effort and there's five of us in this little group chat and, or five of us combined throughout the various group chats. Like who wants one and, and should we all get on board and trying to do it? And it's a group. We all know we're going to Venmo each other, the, the cash, we're all good for it. So I sent that and I, I have a text from you says, nope, I'm good. I've got a team. Ready I thought to we were going to be okay. And we thought it would be okay. And then I got your text, I think maybe around like 11.15, that said, if, if you can get in, like any, any of us will take one right now. Yeah. And, so, and I was at work, and I actually remember I was on a, uh, I was on a call <laughs> at work on my personal, on my, or on my work laptop, and I saw the text come through on my phone, and while continuing to stay on the call... I, I, I like opened up the browser on my personal laptop, which was also right there, you know, working from home and just started to prep stuff just so as soon as the call ended that I could go full on and try to get one. And the call ended, I transitioned over and just the same process with Target. I got one, instantly got one in my cart, but was having the same struggles you were. It was freezing on the cart, kept refresh, 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 refresh. And then boom, out of nowhere, it added and payment processed. And I yeah. got one. I sent a screenshot and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing different than anybody else. <laughs> Maybe it's just the my intervals of, of refreshing the page is helping. But I, I got one there as well. It yeah. was, was kind of wild. Came through and, and saved me there. So that that turned some really negative situations into, you know, uh, some fairly positive ones. You know, can't complain too much now that that we've got, you know, both pre-orders in for both consoles. I felt bad for my buddy Cam because he was really mad and had given up and was to the point where he was, like, not even wanting me to try and help get him one, you know? (laughs) And so I kind of backed off after that. But he texted me at, like, 2.30 that afternoon and was like, you'll never believe what just happened. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I got an Xbox. And I'm like... what? I'm like, it's like three hours later, you know? And he said he was on Best Buy's website. Like his, he had, when he got mad, he just left his computer up, I think, from what he was telling me. Yeah. And so the browser was there. It was still in his cart. He just didn't shut anything down. So he was coming back to do that and shut it down. And he was like, what the hell? I might as well try one more time. And he did it and it went through. And he found out later online that apparently Best Buy had actually staggered their availability oh. and only released so many at a time, which mm-hmm. is probably why I had so much issue was because it was, you know, probably only a couple thousand were even there and right. they were gone. But he was able to get one. So, you know, once again, it, it totally worked out. But now we're having to wait to see what happens. I mean, yeah. we've already had numerous stories running in the media um, about pre-orders being canceled for the PS5 because the retailers oversold their stock. I know you've already gotten a couple of emails from the retailers talking yep. about not knowing when they're going to arrive or how close to launch day it'll be. So we're not totally out of the out of the woods yet. No, and I've I've gotten emails from Amazon and Target. Walmart's been the one standout or there where it hasn't actually told me we might not have this available or might not be able to ship it to you the day of but the interesting thing about target is i went to change the shipping address obviously to, to not have to you know coordinate a north carolina to maryland drive <laughs> for chris uh and 
it's freezing. It it kind of it hasn't canceled the order, but it has it has frozen the order where it's just in this constant state of processing the shipping address change. Mm. And it said like, oh, we'll send you an email when this has gone through. And part of me thought I sh- I kind of want to cancel this so it doesn't screw over the order, yeah. but it w- it won't let me do that. So it's stuck in this random pending mode. <laughs> I think it'll be fine in the end. I have my confirmation numbers like and everything there, so we're going to get them. But it is the big question now is when are we going to get them? Right. You know, it is what it is, and especially in 2020 where things are kind of forcing us to do more online and not necessarily the traditional standing in line the night before and hoping you you you're early enough in line to get one for the stock that the store has or whatever but you know i'm I'm definitely still hoping that uh everything will work out and we'll get the consoles you know within maybe two or three weeks of launch date if not right on launch date i think that would be ideal in a year like this with everything that's going on but but we will definitely have to wait and see yeah expecting it to be here the day of might be a little much at this point. Like, I I don't think that's going to happen for any retailer. But you're right, like, a week, within the first week, within the first two weeks or three weeks, is is an acceptable time frame to get one. And uh, I'm sure there's people out there that are are going to get upset that it's not in their, on their doorstep or not available for pickup that very first day. But with 2020 being 2020, like, everyone needs to take everything with a grain of salt. Exactly. But while it was totally a whirlwind of emotions trying to get these pre-orders confirmed, we can't complain too much since we were some of the lucky ones that were able to get both consoles and multiple PS5s at that. Next up, we're going to break down the technical specs for each console. But before we do that, Kyle's going to let us know what his top five PS4 exclusive games of all time are. Kyle's Top 5 PS4 Exclusives Number 5 Tetris Effect Number 4 Kratos is, of course, the god of war Number 3 It's questionable because it will be a timed exclusive, but Final Fantasy VII Remake Number 2 The hidden gem of the PS4 exclusive era, Horizon Zero Dawn Number 1 Marvel Spider-Man. Back in January, we did a full breakdown of the technical specifications for these next-generation models. So if tech jargon is your thing, definitely go check out that chapter. But for today, we're going to keep it light and hit the basics. So Kyle, why don't we jump into the PS5 specs, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, we're going to keep it lighthearted here and, and just hit the, the highlights. And so coming out of the PS5, we, of course, have a 8X Zen 2 CPU, the 10.28 Teraflop custom RDNA GPU, 16 gigabyte GDDR6 in RAM for your memory, going to get a custom 825 gigabyte solid state drive, and, of course, the optional optical drive if you went with the standard edition. Yeah, so I mean, definitely some stuff to unpack there. We have known the specifics of what is going to be inside these consoles for the PS5 for a little while now. And then as time has gone by, we've kind of gotten some of the details right and, and seen some things trickle down. I will have to say that my number one issue or question for Sony as far as the technical specs go 
is why they chose to go with an 825 gigabyte hard drive. It, it has to be to me just to shave a few bucks off the cost. Yeah. But I don't know if you thought about this, but like, when have you ever seen an 825 gigabyte hard drive? You know, it's usually 512 or one terabyte, two terabytes, et cetera. So it was just a really odd kind of in between sizing to to give us. Yeah, it's interesting. I I hadn't quite thought of that of the the awkward number, but you're right. Yeah, 825 is is kind of strange and maybe it is a price point, maybe it was um I mean obviously not size as the PS5 is gigantic. Right. <laughs> so it wasn't coming down to that like why did they choose that and it, it probably could have been a manufacturing price point where w- we want to get this in the the 500 range or the 400 range we want it to be a certain number and to do that we need to cut some corners so you know the the size of the solid state drive is where they did that it, it's very interesting it, it's a, it's a good point that like it's a weird number i honestly hadn't thought of that yeah it's just an odd number it kind of struck me and you know ultimately i think it'll be fine i mean you're looking at probably just based on what we've seen in the PS4 and what we've already heard from Microsoft as far as the operating system on Xbox Series X, you know, you're probably looking at 100 to 150 gigs right off the bat being taken for the operating system of the PS5. So that puts you, you know, 650 to 700 gigabytes of storage somewhere in there. And that that'll probably do for most people. I'm a I'm a really high, you know, level gamer that's bouncing from game to game. And file sizes that are large and, you know, right in that space is probably what's been fine on my Xbox One X. But it was just odd to me. And, you know, also with them not adding a direct expansion slot the way that the Xbox has, and we'll talk about here in a little bit, you know, I thought was, was kind of the other aspect of that, you know. So you're giving us a slightly smaller hard drive to start with and you're forcing us to go... Not only with a with an extra add-on, you know, which Microsoft has, it's not a big deal, but you know, it's going to have to be that external USB in, um, just a little bit more of a hassle. Yeah, you well, know? And it seems like it's going to take up a little more space. Like we said, the PS5, if it's external and it's a <laughs> plug-in on a USB, like that's one more cord, that's one more little thing hanging out the back. That is true. So, and when once again, with the PS5 is already enormous well and i saw that some people were trying to say because you know microsoft did release the um specs for their it's essentially a one terabyte solid state memory card because it's tiny but it you know there's a slot in the series x that is going to accept it and so you're just plugging something in to expand on that storage and it's built exactly like the hard drive you have in the xbox series x as default right now they came out and it's got a 220 dollars price tag which sucks <laughs> but on the flip side to bring it back to sony i almost would have preferred sony to have done something like that because from what i've read you know some people are saying oh well you know with the ps5 you can go get any external and add more to it you don't have to pay the 200 bucks and that is true but Sony has also said that you need to use very specific yeah. external hard drives if you want to get the the optimal performance and for it to work just like the internal hard drive is. Yeah. So when I read that, what they were showing in the article about which 
external hard drives are on that level that are a terabyte or so, they're all $200 or more anyways. <laughs> so it's literally the exact same price point as what you're going to have with the Series X if you choose to get more storage. But now you've got these other hassles, more cords, got to buy the right external. And so, I mean, none of it's the end of the world, but I, between the smaller hard drive and that choice, especially with how big the freaking console is yeah. <laughs> and they could have put a slot in it, I, I just, that was just one thing on the specs that I, I kind of didn't like that they did. No, and how often do we say it's Sony being Sony? Yeah. It's, and that's really what it, it's really what it feels like. It's like Sony's going to do what Sony wants to do. They don't care about the, you know, the end user. They want to do what's best for them. And they're so big, we're all going to buy it anyway. You know, we're, we're going to go along with it. And that's, that's probably yep. another case here where... It's like, yep, this is annoying, and we're going to have to buy an external. We have to buy, like, you can do any external as long as it comes from this list. And so right. and we're all going to do it. We're just going to bow down to it because we have no other choices. We have no other options. Um, of course, you know, unless you're saying, well, Microsoft is absolutely an option. Um, but for <laughs> some of us as PlayStation homers, we don't have any other options. So, yeah. so we're, we're limited in that. And at the end of the day, it's, it's just Sony, like, being the man. And, you know, and sticking it to you. Well, and I don't think I would have minded it so much had the the standard edition of the PS5 come in cheaper than the Series X, Mm. you know, but it didn't. Yeah. (laughs) If they're the exact same price. So, you know, Microsoft was able to give us another 175 gigs of of storage there, right? For the same price point, they were able to build in a slot, you know, so... It's not a make or break thing, but it was just an interesting choice. And and yeah, Sony likes to do what Sony wants to do, and and all of that. But it just struck me as odd, you know. Just really, that was the one thing that stood out on the PS5 specs um, that was questionable. I thought everything else was pretty much in line, and it is really positive as far as what we should be getting out of this console. Did you have any other thoughts as far as the PS5 specs? Now, in in a direct comparison, we it may lose a bit, but in the end, maybe their mindset is it's still an upgrade from the PS4. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, when you're looking at making the jump from the 4 to the 5, then you've got no qualms. And so maybe their, their focus is the people like me that have always been PlayStation homers and have never even really considered switching. And I'm going to be happy with what I get. Yeah, that's totally fair. Well, let's jump in and look at the uh, the new Xbox specs. We've kind of got two lists here to break down because um, unlike with the PS5 where the all digital and the um, standard version pretty much have the exact same specs minus that hard drive difference, the Xbox Series X and Series S do slightly vary. And so the Series X is going to be your flagship. It's the more expensive console. It is the highest end uh, gaming system that Microsoft is going to put out this year. And it's coming in with uh, eight core custom Zen 2 CPU. It's got 12 teraflops of power in its custom RDNA 2 GPU. It's got a 16 gigabyte GDDR6 RAM. And then that one terabyte solid state hard drive that we talked about. And of course, that expandable storage slot where you can add in another terabyte if you choose so the series x has got that ultra hd blu-ray drive in it which is one of the big differences between the series s outside of some of the um, hardware inside and it is sporting true 4k resolution and up to 120 frames per second 
So jumping over to the Series S, kind of the big things. It's got that same internal custom Zen 2 CPU with the eight cores, but where it really changes is when you get into some of the other items here. So instead of 12 teraflops, you're dropping down to four teraflops, even though it is in that same custom RDNA 2 GPU. The RAM itself also drops from 16 gigabytes down to 10. And so there are going to be some performance differences between the Series S and the Series X. Microsoft is saying that you're still going to get a, an improved experience over current-gen consoles, and I believe that with software and upscaling and the things they can do. It's still going to look like a good console, but if you are wanting to be able to run the best games, the biggest games at the highest possible capabilities, the Series S might not be the console of choice for you there. It's also got a 512 gigabyte solid state hard drive, so it's about half the size of what you're getting in the Series X. It's all digital, so no Blu-ray drive. And then that resolution piece, topping out at 1440p, no 4K, you know, truly 4K. And then it will hit the uh, 120 frames per second. So it came out a little more different than I expected. Yeah. They took a different route than what Sony did. You know, the price points are a little different with the Xboxes versus the two Sony consoles with, I think, the Series S being 300 and then the Series X being 500 versus, what was it, the 400 and 500 difference on the PS5. And maybe that was the mindset because there are like drastic differences between the S and the X. And maybe that's rumors flew and they said hey it looks like sony's digital only is going to come in at 400 so we we could try to snag that next lower price point and like bracket and and pick up on those people especially in the christmas season where you're already spending a lot of money you know parents that are buying these for their kids like you know the maybe the kid doesn't know you know if it's a 12 year old who is just gaming just to game and I'm not saying all 12-year-olds are like this, but <laughs> if someone's gaming just the game and not really paying attention to these specs and having those powerful things, because I'll say when I was that age, I wasn't paying attention to stuff like that. It was all about the gaming experience and the games that are going to come out. Well, and think about it this way, though, too, is that when we were younger and even through the last gen, even through the, the launch of the PS4 and the Xbox One, we did not have these kinds of options. Right. It was, it was one console. You got one set of specs, you got one console, it was one price, you took it or you left it, and and so the consumers didn't have options. So it's kind of weird in one way to see how things are happening now, kind of following the cell phone market plan, really, if you think about yeah. it. But as a consumer, it is a much better situation. Like, sure, you may want that Series X or that PS5 with the Blu-ray player in it, but if... if cash is tight or you're a more casual gamer you know having those cheaper options to still get you a you know a quality next gen experience Mm -hmm. um it just it makes it more accessible to the public it's true and you're right like it's going to move them forward and bring you into the next gen so they can probably get away from having developers make games for both the older system and the newer system at the same time, and it transitions everybody over faster. And that, that's a great point, like thinking, yeah, if I don't have the dough right now, I can go for the lower model, save up some cash, get the bigger model down the line, or when a, right. when a pro version comes out, like right. score that, but also continue to stay on pace with the new games. Because 
I'll say that that ended up happening to me in the PS3 to PS4 era where I got my PS4 kind of late and I was stuck playing older games for a year or two. Right. And with that in mind, that won't happen to you. Yeah. Now, I was a little disappointed because I was really hoping to go all digital on this gen because for me, I used to be hardcore, go buy the games, be able to resell them, physical discs. The last two or three years with just the move to more digital, the convenience, you know, this year with COVID and, you know, not really going to stores as much. Like I have just become a digital gamer. I have no need for a Blu-ray player. I don't buy DVDs and and all of that. So like going into this, my plan was I'm going to go all digital on both consoles. And unfortunately, that didn't really work out because... You know, we had the situation with the PlayStation on the pre-order, so you know, I I wasn't gonna be too hard line on going digital. You know, I'd rather have one of the consoles, but with the Xbox, they kind of took that option away from me just because of the lower specs, right? Yeah. Just just for me personally, you know, I was going to go for the top end option. Yeah, it was there, it was available, and something you could do. So why wouldn't you do it now? Why limit yourself? Right. Exactly. Plus, I kind of hated the design of the Series X. If I'm being real honest, like, it looks like a freaking domino. I don't even know. Like, it's awesome that it's so small and, and you know, I'm sure that that big black dot is like a vent. Yeah. But I did not like the look of that thing at all. So, it kind of just kind of wiped it all out and pretty much guaranteed I was going to be a, a Series X consumer. I'm surprised you weren't feeling the Bluetooth speaker look. <laughs> yeah, that's the other. Yeah, it looks like a freaking speaker. It's like a little Bluetooth speaker that you can put on your deck and pump some tunes. Why not? Yeah. No, nah, I mean, and well, and the hard drive, too. Like, yeah. the, the 512 hard drive, it was fine when the consoles, the last consoles first launched, but the larger games have gotten, the more games you want to store, you've got apps on your PlayStation and the Xbox. Like, there's just so much going on that, it, for me at least, 512 became a real struggle. My current PS4 is still 512, and I, I barely have any games on it anymore. You know, when I switched to the, the Xbox One X and got that one terabyte, I felt like that became the sweet spot. Yeah. You know, especially if you're gaming a lot. Like, I think right now on my One X, I was looking at it the other day, I've got like 19 games on the One X right now. You know, and of course, they're various sizes, but I've got a couple. I've got Modern Warfare, which is 100 plus gigs and and a few other games that are fairly large, the new Madden and things like that, you know. But but like that's a real library at your fingertips. Yeah versus the PlayStation where it's like, oh, you want to play Red Dead? Reinstall it because you had to take it off, you know, <laughs> to to put Last of Us on. Yeah, and, and you're going to have to wait a while to get it reinstalled. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the, the one terabyte was also the big deal for me personally. I, I don't like the idea of anything, you know. Uh, I'll say this. I don't like the idea of anything under 825 gigabytes. <laughs> 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 and that's fair. And because you, you do, you want it. At, at your fingertips that's why you keep a library and my life has been because i still have the 512 on my playstation 4 which rip my playstation 4 we'll get into that another day but my <laughs> playstation 4 it you know finally kicked it and died but yeah right there at the end of the life i kept red dead 2 uh on it and that was a constant struggle because when i got new games i had to make executive decisions on on the other games that were gonna go so it, it was this constant, I could never really keep FIFA and Red Dead 
and the most recent <laughs> game I wanted to play all at the same time. So I found myself yeah. constantly deleting and reinstalling FIFA as I wanted to play it. Yeah, I mean, and it's a problem that, you know, memory management is a problem with any electronic device, so you can never 100% get away from it. I still have to do memory management on my one terabyte one X, but I feel like with the PlayStation, it's like every time I'm choosing to play a new game, I have to do yeah. that, or that's what it became. Whereas, you know, with the with the one terabyte Xbox, I feel like it's more of like a, you know, two to three times a year. Like when you hit the holiday season or coming out of the holiday season, like the big game drop times where you're maybe picking up two or three new games in a short period of time. Okay, then I might have to do a little bit of memory management, but it's not constant. Yeah, it's not that it's not that constant annoyance of like, hey, I know you just paid $50 for this game, but you better go delete everything before you can even install yeah. it. Yeah, you know? which is my life. I mean, that was my life right there towards the end. It was a pre-planned, if I don't make space, like pre-order a digital version, you get the pre-install, but you better make sure that you, you're prepared for the pre-install because you'll go to play it and be like, oh my God, I forgot to wipe something out. And now I have yeah. to wait. And you know, when, when you want a game, and in some cases for us, gaming time is limited. Like you, you yep. don't want to have to wait for an install. Exactly. Three hours later. <laughs> yeah, you want it to be there. You want it at your fingertips. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I know we're going to shift here and, and talk about some of the more interesting aspects of the next gen to us. And I'm going to kick us off here with more solid state hard drive talk because I really <laughs> do think it is that important. You know, we talked about the size and that's a big deal, but... But I think that a lot of people, especially if you don't have computers with solid state hard drives in them, you know, we haven't seen any consoles before have solid states in them. So I think a lot of people might be really overlooking the the benefit there, yeah. right? And personally, I'll go as, as far as to say that I think that the absolute biggest upgrade that console gamers are going to get in this generation you know, going from the PS4 and Xbox One to the PS5 and, ser- and the Xbox Series X is going to be that hard drive, whether you know it or not. Yeah. Because solid-state hard drives are insanely fast. They are incredibly efficient. And they can recall information and and operate in fractions of a second compared to traditional spinning hard drives that we've all been using for the last 30 years. And so, in my opinion, there's not going to be a single other impact as big for gamers because it's literally going to give you hours, and depending on how much games you play, days of your life back, <laughs> simply in load times. Yeah, in load times. Sure. Like, just the quick performance of it all is oh my God. the key selling point there. Yeah, and it's about, we've already seen it so far with with some of the early previews on the Xbox. I'll just use them as an example because last week... IGN, GameSpot, and a few others got preview versions of the Series X, and every one of them were consistent in writing that they were testing out current-gen games, not even games optimized for the new console, not even next-gen games, but Red Dead Redemption 2, Control, Call of Duty, the games that are out today they were using to test these on, and they all were reporting that load times were 70 to 80% lower. Yeah. That that's insane, especially how much time I've spent playing Red Dead and am aware of the load times that that game drags you through. To think that mm-hmm. it could just be like boom in it, eighty percent faster than what I marked. Because honestly, with the load times, gonna like quick story about Red Dead. 
I boot up Red Dead and then I put my controller down and I get my phone out and I wait. <laughs> like that's real. That's my life with Red Dead 2 towards the end of the yeah. PS4 cycle. And to think that all of that's going to go away and is going to go away in this next yeah. generation, it's going to revolutionize how how much time you get to spend. And like I said before, gaming time is limited. And, you know, when you get to sit down and do it. And so to eliminate those times where you're just sitting there waiting is huge. When I think about op- situations like Destiny, where you go into Destiny, you spend multiple minutes loading in, getting your character, you go into space with your ship, you're, you know, you might have to load into the menu, you got to go down to the tower to get your quest, that takes time, then you come back out, then you load into your mission, and there was multiple minutes of loading, usually in between each one of those, yeah. and that is going to change significantly. I think the example on the Series X test with Red Dead was um, on, and they were using a One X for comparison. So the Xbox One X is currently the best Xbox you can get, and is on par with the PS4 Pro and everything. It's got great internals um, and operates well. But I think they timed out Red Dead Two on the One X at like two and a half minutes mm. on on one load screen, and on the Series X it was like thirty seconds. Yeah. So while you still have a touch because that game is huge. It, remember, not optimized for the new system, not changed. This is just a current-gen game using the hardware of the new console, and it dropped it by 80%. And I know we're talking about the Xbox here a lot. That's only because we've really only seen the preview and this data come back on the Series X. You know, But I would 100% assume that's going to be very similar on the PS5 because they're running solid-state hard drives as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Sony has come out and said, uh, you know, that they're they've changed and everything's going to be faster. And I know that uh, Rich, I'm blanking on his last name from Sony, has come out and actually been quoted that, you know, you'll be able to load two gigabytes of data in a quarter of a second. So in theory, the entirety of the PS5, you know, 16 gigabytes can be done and can be filled in two seconds. Right. Which is insane. Yeah, which is just wild. Yeah. So, like, yeah, Sony's right there. The only difference is, like, we're talking about Xbox so much because Xbox has put out test consoles to the various websites and the various groups, and it seems like PlayStation hasn't yet. But you're right. right. Like, all of the power of the solid-state hard drive is is going to be there for the PlayStation as well. Yeah. And so it may not seem like it, right? It might not be something that I think people think about actively as much. But if you just think about... If you are a gamer that games daily or games, you know, multiple games throughout the course of a week, whatever it may be, if you're putting actual hours in to legitimately play games year round like we do, you are literally going to get hours of your life back over the course of this console generation just in that solid state hard drive upgrade. And the maybe the most exciting thing, you probably even extrapolate this out over the course of our lifetimes. Yeah. Because we should never be going back to traditional hard drives. Like, they should only be getting faster from here now that consoles have made that switch. So, I I don't know. For me, I know I'm I'm, I'm making a big deal out of it. I just think it is a big deal. I've said it all along that that is the number one thing. I I don't think we're going to see as big graphics changes right off the bat. You know, I don't think that any of those things are going to be as visible. We've already seen that in the video. Yeah. Like, if you look at the graphics that they're showing on the PS5, it's it looks good, yeah, yeah. But it's pretty much the same as 
not it's close to what we're getting already on top end games today. But those load times, man. Yeah. That's that's what I'm all about. Well, a direct comparison <laughs> and and maybe just as a reference for those of us that remember dial up. Oh yeah. You know, it like a, a jump of that size and that magnitude where you think now those of us that experienced dial up and remember how painful that was, and that is just a distance memory given how fast everything is now. Yeah. Maybe in four years there'll be those of us like that remember the PS2, the PS3, the PS4 era, and be like, dang, like, load times are a thing of the past. Like, you know, we'll joke about it. Like, oh, you remember load times? Like, right, done. Right. Well, and we don't have to get into it as much, but there are some other little spinoffs from the solid state that we're going to see. Um, I know Microsoft has what they call quick resume, where they're saying that you could essentially have your games suspended wherever you are yeah. mid-play. I think it's up to five games at a time, and you can just switch between them, and you will go right back to where you were instantly starting to play it. And some of those articles from the previews said that that actually was working as uh, you know alleged by Microsoft, You know, jumping straight from a moment in, in one game over to your horse in Red Dead, with no real load times in between, you know, not having to completely restart that game from scratch. So we'll have to see exactly how it all works out, but I think that that's pretty exciting. What what were some of the other uh, interesting aspects of the next gen that you're kind of looking at? So definitely, you know, the SSD is was there on my list. I also noted as backwards compatibility, finally coming back mm, around is is yeah. a big one. Uh, and I, I think we'll, we'll probably touch on that a little later as both companies have really started to come clean about backwards compatibility and what we should expect to see out of it. And this one, my actual, my favorite thing, and maybe it's not necessarily has to do with the specs and like the, the hard physical aspects of the consoles, but I'm really excited for the next generation of cross-gen play. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that's been growing and increasing over the past few years And I think into this next generation, it's going to be the walls are going to come down on both Microsoft and Sony's side. And so it's I guess it's more something to look forward to out of the developers on their end to make it happen. But for Sony and Microsoft to finally be okay with cross gen games, I think is going to change the face of gaming because you're no longer going to be the PlayStation guy or the Xbox guy. It's just everyone can play it on the system that they want to play it on, and we'll all be gaming together. Yeah, I don't think it's something we'll see on 100% of games, you know, at any point, just because some games don't lend themselves to being multiplayer or or needing the cross-platform. But I am liking that it seems to continue to be trending more and more uh, games that are, you know, your Fortnite, your Call of Duties, sports games, you know, anything that's competitive and are available on not just Sony and, and Xbox, but Switch and PC, yeah. too. You know, it's really bringing the communities together. And so I'm with you there. And I, I really do hope that trend continues. Yeah. And, and into the bigger titles, because like you said, like Fortnite, Dauntless, Rocket League, they've all been doing it. No Man's Sky integrated in Brawlhalla. For those of you that play Brawlhalla, Minecraft. They've been doing it, but the big one's coming. You know, Need for Speed is a cross-gen game now. The Call Mm. Call of Duties, and so far there have been four that I could confirm on PlayStation 5 side that will offer cross-play, and 
So Dead by Daylight, don't really know that one. But Call of Duty Warzone, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and Borderlands 3 are all pegged to be cross-gen games. And those are high-priced, AAA, a lot of gamers out there playing those three titles. Yeah, well, I mean, Call of Duty is already cross-gen. That's not going to be a new development. Oh, okay. When I play Call of Duty today, I'm playing against people on PC, people on Sony. Um, It comes with its own... Uh, frustrations when it comes to the PC players and and going up against you know point and click folks versus controllers, but that's another discussion for another day. But all in all, though, you're right, and it is going that way. And the more that the big big developers join and make it just part of their dev cycles when they're making these games, you know, the more integrated and and the better it'll perform. Yeah, as we go along. So in the end, that like that's what I'm most excited to tear down the walls. And have gamers be gamers be one community. <laughs> gamers unite. Gamers unite, and and just because I think that's the way it should be. And maybe in the end, it'll be less direct competition between this Microsoft Sony war that we've been experiencing. But mm-hmm. I, it's it's what I'm the most excited about is that they're opening the door to allow developers to do it, and I, I think it's going to be huge. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the last thing I would say as far as you know, kind of interesting items that we're going to have to see how they shake out on the next gen is the concept of what Microsoft is calling smart delivery, where essentially you can buy a game yeah. today on on the current gen consoles and then upgrade it and it'll work on the new consoles and not have issues. You know, that's what they're claiming. Um, I'm really hoping that that does prove to be true. But at the same time, there are a lot of questions there because it is such a shift yeah. from the past. You know, it's a it's it's backwards compatibility, but like reimagined almost in my in my mind, right? You know, you'll just get better performance of the game, kind of PC style, yeah. like depending on how good your PC is when you play a game, it may look a little prettier, it may run a little smoother, you know, those kinds of things. You know, and I don't know if we necessarily have to get into answering all of these questions, but I just kind of wrote some things down rhetorically, right? So like will it work as intended? Will the games have bugs or issues different differently, even though they're they're trying to get away from that? Right. You know, similar to what you had with PS3, PS4, Shadows of Mordor. Shadows of Mordor, you know, yeah. They... <laughs> um, and that debacle. But the the bigger question, I think, is really, will the developers charge for these upgrades? Because that seems to keep going back and forth. And and it, the Sony and Microsoft have kind of, from what I've read, have said that they would prefer not to charge that the developers not charge that's their recommendation i guess but there's nothing stopping them from doing it and we're already seeing kind of some reports here and there of like these guys are going to charge you these guys aren't there's the whole spider-man debacle on ps4 where people are mad because they're remastering it but you can't upgrade you know you got to buy the whole new miles morales version right so so i think we really have to see how all that shakes out but if it goes well i think it is really good for consumers ultimately because we should get more out of these games that we buy and you know have that ability to play them into the future with a little bit more ease than what we've had historically sure sure and paired with the the low price point of the xbox series s i mean it could be what microsoft has planned all along we want to make it so you can make a quick easy transition and and still have low cost. True. We will definitely have to see. That 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 is I think one of the biggest question marks on the whole 
transition here to the next gen. It will be interesting to see how the two consoles match up farther down the line, but I'll say it, as the PlayStation homer, right now Xbox has got the edge. I think as time moves forward, though, it's the potential exclusives that will be the ultimate deciding factor on who wins this generation. And we'll dive into more of that here in a bit, but first, let's hear Chris's top five games from the current generation. Chris's top five current gen games. Number five. Bloodborne. Number four. Cuphead. Number three. Injustice 2. Number two. Destiny 1 and 2. Number one. Dark Souls 3. A solid list from Chris. As I said, I think games are really what's going to give the final victory to one of these companies. And as we hit release day, the topic of games has been a hot one, as release day games always are. So, Chris, which new console game are you most interested in? There's a couple of them. And, and honestly, I, I'll just say up front that it's all exciting because really this Switch means that every game should get better for a variety of reasons. You know, whether it's existing like we were just talking about or these truly next-gen games, every experience should get better from what I'm seeing and what I'm expecting. But for me, the most exciting part of pretty much any new console is the new IPs for me. Okay. You know, I like I like to see what the developers are going to bring to us from an innovation standpoint, from a creativity standpoint. You know, there's always your classics that are going to live between consoles and go generation to generation, but I like to see what they're going to do, what they're going to bring us that may become my new favorite game. Yeah. Right. So that that's my biggest thing. So for me, I think when I was looking through kind of what we've seen, and and it's only been so much so far as far as the next-gen games go, but I think Godfall is the most intriguing next-gen game so far that we've seen. Um, The trailers have been interesting, even though we haven't gotten all the details, but from what I can gather, it kind of looks like a Destiny-type game, customizable characters, pretty cool armor, but like more melee weapon focus yeah. instead of guns. Like, it looked kind of like Monster Hunter in a way of, you know, big swords and some of that. Don't know if they've announced if it's going to be a solo game or like a Destiny Online PvE kind of situation, but I would really hope it would be that multiplayer PvE. I don't know. I, I just think there's more to see about it, but when I'm looking around, that's the one that has stood out to me over the last, you know, six months to a year since we first saw it. Yeah. That... Okay, that could be cool. The opening trailer definitely intrigued me. Uh, and it, for me, it looked like it was going to be a World of Warcraft open, you know, maybe not exactly like World of Warcraft, but Destiny-like PvE yeah. situation. And if it's not, I'm going to be very confused based on what I've seen. Right. Like It looks like it's headed <laughs> in that direction. And if it's not, it's going to be like, eh. Uh, but, right. but the trailers look phenomenal. The fantasy aspects with the... The swords and the armor, and I'm pretty confident I saw a dragon. Yeah, it's big monsters for sure. Big monsters <laughs> for sure. So I, I think, yeah, that's a solid choice right there. Do we have a release day on that yet, though? No, I don't believe so. I don't think there's a whole lot of details out yet. I don't think I've seen a release date. I did some quick searching when I was getting ready for this, and 
And I didn't find a whole lot there. Maybe I need to dig a little deeper. Somebody knows some more details out there. Hit us up on social media and let us know. But uh, really, it's been mostly just those trailers. Yeah. And you're right, though. It's a it's a new IP. It's not like going back to the same old well and giving us like, and I don't mean to hate on it, but another Assassin's Creed, another Call of Duty, like really giving a fresh IP with a fresh idea, a new environment, a new universe. That's always what right. you want to see. Don't just give me some new skinned sequel. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Even though that the sequels and stuff will be better, typically, right? Yeah. You know, I had down here some games like, you know, there's the new Final Fantasy coming out, Dragon Age 4, some of those. Those are all probably going to be pretty fantastic games, but we've been playing those IPs and have been familiar with them for so long. So I only ever get so excited for those, whereas, you know, something that's brand new really tends to to get me more, you know, interested right off the bat. Because the other flip side is that the new consoles present new opportunities to the developers to do things that maybe they just flat out couldn't right. on a console before. And so I think that's kind of where it all lies for me is, okay, you know, what new mechanics are you going to give us that maybe we've never had in gaming before or a bigger world than we've ever seen before? Whatever it may be, that type of stuff is really what kind of pulls me in yeah yeah absolutely new mechanics because that's something i've we haven't seen in modern gaming in a while is a brand new mechanic yeah that's true a lot of it's repeat repeat you know like the the square square triangle you know the the light light heavy you know or like (laughs) the two button combo finisher it's all felt this way uh so giving a new mechanic or some new style to a game could could go really far you know, for, for gamers. Yeah. What about you? So I actually broke this down into two and I'm going to put my own, I'm going to put my foot in my mouth here talking about, don't give me a reskinned sequel (laughs) because, uh, my two categories are kind of like looking at month one releases. What are we going to get out the gate? And then what is a game that long-term that I'm really excited about? So I'll touch on the month one game first and I'll put my foot in my mouth. And that is, Spider-Man Miles Morales. <laughs> and and I understand everything I just said, but I still am very excited for this game. But I, I think it's not really so much about the mechanics in the game as more about seeing Miles' story play out on the screen. Uh, because if you played the DLC for Spider-Man, you got more of Miles' story. And and that is really something that was interesting to me, that he was he was bitten by a very similar spider to Peter Parker. And then, spoiler, as you at the end of the game, he reveals that he's got these powers. And yeah. then in the DLC, you actually mentor Miles a little bit and help him. And it's very cool. And so I think that would translate well into a new game where you get to experience your powers for the first time. Right. You know, like when, when we pick up in Spider-Man, he's got a million gadgets. He knows how to use the webs. And and it's like this, you get everything all at once, which is... He's experienced. He's experienced. And it's cool that you get everything all at once and you don't have to do the Batman Arkham bit where right. you have to go to a million different <laughs> levels to get a gun that you know should already be in the utility belt. But, uh, you know bringing Miles' stingers and costumes and different designs to that world should be very interesting. And that that's what I'm most excited about month one, day one. Yeah, that's a good point. I, Miles in that whole part of it is the most 
attractive part of the new Spider-Man to me. As much as I love the PS4 game, and it was a ton of fun, it was well-made, looked great, when they announced this originally, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. I, I just had mixed feelings for it. I don't even know if I could put a full, clear reasoning behind it. It just... I wasn't as excited for it as I was the original Spider-Man coming out. Yeah. But the Miles piece, I think, is interesting because when you look at Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, we really have never been given a whole lot, at least in gaming and some of these mediums, uh, other than Peter Parker. Yeah. So just bringing in Miles alone is a big step for for kind of branching out. And it kind of makes me wonder, you know, since there is a number of different, like Spider-Gwen and some of the other characters in the Spider-Verse, you know, maybe we get something kind of along the lines of like Gotham Knights, but with Spider-Man in a couple of years, with all of them kind of teamed up together or something along those lines. So uh, that's just kind of where I'm standing. I'm, I'm not 100% sure I'm going to buy it yet. Yeah. But but it's tempting. It is. And, and I think to address your concern, I feel like they were a little wish-washy on whether or not it was going to be its own game or a, a well, DLC expansion. they have, and, and there was actually some confusion because I think at one expo, they said that it was a DLC, and then Insomniac yep. came out like a few weeks later and said, no, it's, an, it's a standalone game. Right. But then now it's being packaged with the original game remastered, and so I think it's going to be this in-between where it's not going to be a 60-hour campaign but it's also not going to be a 15-hour DLC. It's going to be right. in this in-between 30 to 40 hours where, sure, you can charge me $60, say it's a standalone game, but we both know it's not. Right. Um, but the addition, you're right, like the addition of Miles, the new suits, the new powers, how we're going to see things, and then the inclusion, I hadn't even thought about this, but you're right, like the inclusion of the Spider-Verse could be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, there's a lot of lore there. There's a lot of great villains in the Spider-Verse. Um, so, you know, they really could take this and build it out the way the Arkham games have for Batman, you know, and looking at where they're at now with Gotham Knights being previewed and moving away from Batman, even in those games being the main character to all of these other great side characters. I I think it's a formula that could work. I mean, Spider-Man was already built exactly like the Arkham games, you know, so like you can't argue that yeah. they they play and fight you very similar. You know, we'll have to see. Um, but I like how you kind of took that view of it with the kind of month one, right? Because I still have really no idea what the first game I'm going to play on the next gen is. Yeah, and there haven't been any like real sexy titles. Yeah, like and maybe that's it, which is always a struggle for new consoles. Like, what is going to be the flagship game? Um, but as far as farther down the line. I have a game that I am thrilled about because it's been rumored forever. <laughs> and I, I don't think we've ever really gotten a proper, you know, game out of this IP. There's been some fun ones, but nothing really that immerses you. And that, of course, right. is Harry Potter Legacy. Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, Hogwarts Legacy. You're right. You're right. For some reason, I thought it was called Harry Potter, which is... Are you even a fan, Right. Bro? Yeah, that's awful. That's so <laughs> awful. I'm the worst. But yeah... Hogwarts Legacy, not Harry Potter Legacy. It's so funny because in my notes, I literally, it says Hogwarts Legacy. And then, but for whatever reason, the top says Harry Potter Legacy. (laughs) Brain just totally failed me there. So Hogwarts Legacy is the one that I'm super pumped about. Uh, And it's, it's developed by Avalanche Software, published by Portkey Games. 
The publisher is a little dicey. Portkey has never done a console game before. They've always mm. been very limited to and like iOS and Android mobile games. Oh wow! So okay. that gives me some worry. However, Portkey Games is obviously anyone's a Harry Potter fan, which it's now questionable if I am. <laughs> it Portkey is obviously a Harry Potter reference. So okay. it, this might just be like the studio that owns the rights to Harry Potter in the gaming world. So it's just why their name is slapped on it. I, I didn't recognize the name. So I'm glad you say that because I hadn't looked into them yet. But I remember being like, I don't know if I've ever heard of Portkey before. You know, yeah. I'm not a big mobile gamer, but that that was just went through my head of was that I was not familiar. But that explains it if they've never been on console before. Yeah, they, they've made uh, a handful of games. They did. uh Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery, which was uh, a mobile game. Wizards Unite, which is essentially the Pokemon Go of the Harry Potter world. Okay. Um, and then Puzzles and Spells, but that one hasn't come out yet, I don't believe. Hmm. So, But all of these, and that, that one's actually a Facebook game as well. So Legacy will be their f- first game into the console world. But like I said, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a big deal. Like that they've never done it. I think it's just their association with the Harry Potter IP, which is gotcha. which is why they're listed as a publisher. So the better look is the Avalanche Software who who mm. developed the game. And they've got they've got a long resume here, you know, some uh some Prince of Persia games on Dreamcast. They did the Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub Zero game, if you remember that okay. one. Yeah. The Off Road games, Rampage, Universal Tour from N sixty four. So, so they have some titles, and then they did the yeah. Disney Infinity, uh, and those games, and Toy Story three, and kind of the movie based games. Okay. Over the past couple of years, so, so they're experienced though. They're experienced. They have a long resume. That's good. Yeah, this game looks sweet, man. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Harry Potter fan, but not the world's largest Harry Potter fan. But when I saw the trailer for this, I thought it looked pretty good, and and it was definitely like, okay, that's that's bookmarked. I'm, I'm gonna follow this one, and if it's looking promising towards launch, then I'm gonna be all over it as well. Oh yeah, I, I think it's gonna be fantastic. When the trailer came out, it's the first video game ever that made my girlfriend go. How can I play that as well? <laughs> and I was like, what? It's a big deal. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, we're in. Like somebody that has never been a video game player instantly is like, yeah, I'm in. And it's all based. You have to get her her own PS5. Yeah, got to get that PS5. And <laughs> that we'll work that one out. Like one person playing upstairs, one person playing downstairs. <laughs> exactly. We'll see. Hopefully, exactly. Hopefully there's some multiplayer aspects. But the story should be super cool too, as a Harry Potter fan, because it's all set well before harry potter's adventures yeah like it's set in the 1800s like well before voldemort's rise and you are a student at hogwarts and from everything i've seen you're going to get to pick your house you're going to get to pick your major like whether you want to focus on potions spells dark Mm -hmm. arts like herbology that's all going to be there in all open world yeah it made me think about like knights of the old republic the way it it was a game that took us well back before what we were used to in the Star Wars universe. And it also took you into a time where, you know, the the Jedi and the Sith and things like that were more numerous, more prevalent. Yeah. And so I was kinda I'm kinda hoping that Hogwarts Legacy will have that same effect where like maybe magic is just a little bit more 
prevalent. Maybe it's a little stronger. There's a lot more monsters in the world, you know, those types of things than what we saw like in Harry Potter yeah. uh, post Voldemort, you know, doing his thing. So the the question though is the multiplayer. That's what I had here really is, is, is this going to end up being a larger world multiplayer RPG kind of experience or is it going to end up being a, a solo RPG experience? And that really could go either way. Like, there's just not enough details. Like, the launch trailer was the first time anyone really got something that wasn't a leak or like, oh, I found this and captured it with my phone and posted it on YouTube, and it was gone within 24 hours. Like, so so a lot of that is up in the air, but IP alone has got me just jazzed up because there, there hasn't been a quality, like a really good harry potter universe game that like knocks your socks off like yeah. the movie one so that i think the one like sorcerer's stone or maybe it was chamber of secrets got the the movie version on playstation 2 it was good but it wasn't great i really enjoyed the quidditch game that came out for ps2 but i also know that that one wasn't fantastic so I- i'm excited to see a true triple a title like in-depth detailed as it can go in the harry potter universe and at least on my end, it will be interesting to see if it's multiplayer. But if it's not, it's not going to be a deal breaker. Like I'm gonna, I'm still gonna get it. And I'll probably still dump hours into it. <laughs> yeah, it might be a deal breaker for me, but it'll just, it'll really just depend on like what else is coming out at the time and and my mood, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I think I, it would be a little bit more attractive if it was multiplayer, just because then obviously we could play together or all of that but um do you think there'll be quidditch in this one probably not no i i i don't think so and maybe somewhere down the line like i'm sure there's a lot of people that are like if this doesn't have quidditch in it i'm not going there but (laughs) if i'd I'd be shocked if it's there uh so my thought is if it is there it's going to be half-baked and people aren't and people Uh, aren't going to like it possible because the the concept of quidditch really probably should be its own game to be able to do it correctly sure yeah a lot going on there i expect a lot of other mini games as we'll call them like little things that you can do explore the castle because they said you'll be able to go into hogsmeade and into london as well like it's not going to be limited to just the hogwarts castle and grounds like you'll be able to go into the forbidden forest nice you know, I, I know that you're not like the biggest Harry Potter fan, but these are all various locations that are close to the Hogwarts castle itself. Sure. So, I've seen all the movies. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, it's a sprawling world, yeah. you know, yeah. in that whole IP. So I'm with you there. It, we'll have to keep our eyes close to that one. It, it's so surprising that there haven't been more uh, Harry Potter focused games just because of the attractiveness to kids and then, yeah. you know, people like us who borderline grew up with Harry Potter, you know, because um, we were so much younger when they first started coming out. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see if it's successful. I hope it is. I, I really I really hope it is because I'd like to see it open the door for future titles. Yeah, exactly. Future IPs, because if it bombs, then, you know, a studio may say there, there's no space for this. There's no desire for a Harry Potter game when I think there right. absolutely is a fan base out there that wants it. Um, they just have to give it to us and we'll see. It, it is interesting to see what IPs are out there that don't have solid video games. Like it took us a while to get a Lord of the Rings one. 
Right. Well, and that's still kind of struggling. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, until Shadows of Mordor and stuff. But that was like a whole side character. It wasn't Aragorn or any of the main people. It was kind of its own standalone. But it it's true. It's just, yeah, some IPs just don't, whether it's like business dealings behind the scenes or whatever it is, they just don't tend to to make the leap, even though you think they would be perfect for it. Yeah, you get like a half movie edition game. Right. <laughs> and it's never good, never quality. I'm like, I'm having nightmares of thinking of uh, Star Wars The Phantom Menace on PlayStation 1. <laughs> like, you know, That's games true. like games made like that terrible. where yeah, it's just like you have so much opportunity to do something cool here, but you don't. And that's all a conversation for another day. But Hogwarts legacy, I think everything I've seen so far has got me jazzed up. Like, like I said, the, the various locations, the different houses, the rumored ability to like major in whatever you want, which brings up the idea of skill trees. Like, am I going to be able to whip up quick potions to throw at people? Am I going to be a Mm. master of spells? Am I going to be a master at dueling? Like, or you know, my, my health and the herbology side of it all. I was going to say, some of those wizard duels they showed in the trailer look pretty cool. Yeah. Like, the lighting looked good. They looked intense with the magic and the wands and everything. So that that was, like, the most attractive part to me was getting in some badass wizard duels with people. Yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, go fight a dark wizard. Like, have some duels. Learn different spells and the different ways, whether it's going to be a short key to deliver a spell or actually almost like a skate premise where you have to maneuver the stick. There's a lot of options there. So I'm excited to see what they can do and where they take it. For sure. Well, since we're talking games and IPs, um, I think probably the last thing we have here to bring up and kind of touch on, because it was such big news in the video game industry this week, um, it was the Microsoft acquisition of ZeniMax slash Bethesda. Yeah. And, and you know, that really has the ability to to shake up some of the bigger, ex, you know, existing IPs out there that are, are huge fan favorites, that have huge followings. I'm talking games like Fallout and Elder Scrolls and Doom, you know, and there's a num- number of other games that Bethesda has, but, you know, Microsoft now owns them. They own the rights to all of them. And while we will have to wait and see exactly what happens, you know, I think there's a lot of questions to, to answer as far as first party exclusives go. Oh, yeah. And of course, it's always been kind of the long running criticism from Sony fanboys against Xbox yeah. is that. They don't have enough first-party exclusives and things like that. Well, in the next couple of years, maybe sooner, we may have three of the biggest games on the market become Xbox exclusive. None of that's been announced. I'm just questioning and speculating here. You know, Phil Spencer has been pretty diplomatic (laughs) on, on what the future holds, but it is a question that is going to have to get answered, and it could actually have an impact on the console wars, maybe the biggest impact that the console wars have had in a long time. It's true. Well, I talked about cross-gen or cross-play, and this is something that while they are tearing the walls down for developers to do cross-play, they also have to make sure that they can still sell consoles. And yep. making this type of acquisition and bringing these titles as first party will give incentive to go out and buy an Xbox and and yeah. why you need to go there. I think it's huge because as a, as a Sony fanboy... You know, that always, has always been the argument, like, okay, you got Gears of War, that's nice. 
and then Halo. Halo. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, Halo. That's nice. But then on the Sony side, you got Last of Us, Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War. Like, you can drop, name drop, title after title. Mm-hmm. And now, like, could be equal playing field. Yeah. I mean, these are the kinds of games that actually could shift some gamers either to being Microsoft exclusive or to just now also having an Xbox, whereas maybe they weren't before. Yeah. You know, like... There are people that are like me that do have both consoles, but I would put money on the fact that we are a much smaller number of the gaming population than those that just have one or the other for a variety of reasons. And so, you know, you're talking about really especially with Fallout and the Elder Scrolls games. Yeah. Because those have been huge. Doom is a little bit more niche, even though it is a, you know, long revered game and everybody knows Doom. But that's a little bit more niche. So I think we'll just have to see. I think it was a a big, good move for Microsoft. And, uh, you know, even if they don't make them exclusive, they're still going to make a ton of money from it. Yeah. And so that's a benefit. But the last thing I wanted to touch on is really when it comes to Game Pass. Because we're seeing kind of this tick up in Microsoft's, you know, emphasis on Game Pass and the value that they're providing there for the monthly subscription you know we've seen sony already kind of make some shifts into making playstation now a little bit of a better experience and have more games more emphasis so it's clearly going to be a part of the model you know long term but you know they announced this deal what was it a week or two ago tops for bethesda and earlier this week they put doom eternal on game pass and that game came out what like two months ago? Yeah, not that know. long ago. Recently. Recently. Yeah. yeah. And and they went ahead and took it and added it to Game Pass. And for me, it wasn't a game. Like, I love the Doom games, but I'm not jumping to pay $60 for them. But you damn sure that I downloaded that once it came to Game oh, Pass yeah. earlier this week. I was playing some of it. And so, like, thank you, Microsoft. Like, as an Xbox guy, <laughs> I was super pumped about that. So, I don't know. It's just... it. We'll see how it shakes out. I know I keep saying that, but it was a it was a big piece of news this year. Yeah, I think so. Probably the biggest piece of news, you know, outside of specs and the disaster of the pre-orders. Like, that's what a bomb to drop right after, you know, the the dates and the, of the pre-orders and the mm-hmm. when you're going to get your consoles to say, hey, uh, just following this big news up with this big news. So prepare for it. And the Game Pass has always been superior to PS Now. Like yeah, always has. So far, there, there's yeah. there's no argument to be had there. It, it is they they give you like legitimate AAA day one releases on Game Pass, while PlayStation Now has historically doesn't give you a AAA title for at least a year after its yeah. release. So <laughs> it could be huge, and it could be a major factor moving forward. And like I'll I'll touch on it just briefly as we wrap up here, like backwards compatibility uh, between the two. Like it could also all play in there as well, where yeah. giving more options on the Xbox side, and that's really where I'm going with this, and with with Bethesda as well, you just have more things available to you on that side of the house than what you do out of Sony, because Sony has been continuously wishwashy about backwards yep. compatibility. Like for goodness' sakes, the consoles come out in a little over a month, and we still don't know. Right, yeah. I mean, I sent an article to our group chat this morning around that, that there's still questions on exactly which games are 
going to be backwards compatible or when they'll be available, if they'll be available. There was the talks also coming out about whether or not your PS4 save data will work on PS5 if you're playing the same games on PS5 or not. And that seems to be all over the board. And and we definitely will have to see exactly how it shakes out. But everything Microsoft is saying and pushing towards that little to none of that is going to be an issue. Right. You know, your your data will be there. You'll be able to play the games. So uh, we'll see. I think Sony keeps, they, they started out further apart. You know, a year ago when we were first getting like that aspect and some of these things were way far apart between Microsoft and Sony. And that has continuously inched closer and closer together. So ultimately, will they be about the same? Probably. Probably yeah. You know, eventually, maybe. But we have to see, and Sony's such a, you know, they're stickler about yeah. it. I don't think they, they want to do it as much as they may feel they have to do yeah. it. Sony's so Sony about it. <laughs> Sony being Sony. But it, it'll be interesting to see and, and all how it works out and shakes forwards. But you're right. PS Now versus Game Pass will be huge. The acquisition of Bethesda will be huge, especially if they don't make them exact exclusives. But they say, well, you can pay for it over here but we're going to put it on Game Pass for free over here. Right. And that's right. a huge incentive. So all of these factors combined will make for a very interesting generation. Yeah, for sure. And the last thing I'll say before we wrap up is that, and I have no real details, but the rumors that came out post-Bethesda acquisition, because Microsoft has said that they they plan on buying companies. Like they, It's been a thing that they've been doing for the last little bit. But the rumors came out about them buying Sega. And the rights to all of that catalog. So uh, nothing official, no insider information here may not happen, but that stuff is already starting to go about. So they pick up another two or three, you know, big names with a lot of access to those catalogs. You know, it could get way more interesting. <laughs> yeah, it may be a conversation for another day, but I would be interested to see what happens to Nintendo's catalog if Microsoft mm. buys Sega because. Nintendo and Sega have meshed on a lot of games. True. Like Sonic is everywhere in the Switch world. Yeah, but Microsoft and Nintendo are becoming buddy-buddy because you can now play, like, use your Microsoft account and stuff on the Switch. So Microsoft and Nintendo are much closer than Sony and Nintendo are right now. Yeah. So, I don't know. A lot going on there. We will totally have to see. The Xbox Series X and S release just over a month from now on November 10th, and the PS5 follows on November 12th. It's a week Kyle and I have circled on our calendars as we anxiously await delivery of our pre-orders. Let us know on social media what you think about the next generation, whether or not you were able to pre-order a console, and if you think Xbox or PlayStation will win the next round of the console war. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this chapter, be sure to hit the subscribe button to get new chapters of Geek Catch Up every two weeks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to follow the show on social media, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at Geek Catch Up Podcast, or on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Catch Up Pod. Links to all these accounts are in the show notes below and on our website, geekcatchuppodcast.com. Stay saucy, you nerds. <laughs>